Ah, it is week four recap. First and Moose, Connor Taylor, Mark Schoenster. It was not such a good week for me, picks wise. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> currently, currently, I'm sitting at at 500, and you know, I, I decided to take some gambles, go with some upsets, and, and they didn't occur this week. And I, I should have mm-hmm. played it safe, but you know, I, I do that in life with well, in football things like Madden. I uh, mm-hmm. I'll be up. I'll, I'll throw picks just because I, I I would be an awful coach and awful QB because I like spicing things up and then. On the fantasy end, I always, even if my team's winning or doing well in a season, I like to trade players and try to get better, but it never works for me. So I need to keep remind myself when we go into these picks to play it safe. But, you know, it's all right. The Lions let other people down. They let me down, and some other picks were just dumb ones. Yeah, but. I mean, uh, first off, I had a, a two-point or two-game lead on you in picks prior to this week but since on all three of the games we disagreed on i got all those correct i now have a five game padded lead and i'm very i'm very much the opposite of you connor i'm very conservative in both my picking in a lot of cases as well as uh, in fantasy and it paid off for me this week i had lost my first three games of the season in the uh in the league i was in and then this week i dropped 198 points which is by far the highest uh any of anyone this week because i got george kittle back odell beckham went odell, off yeah uh i i jared mckinnon got me like 20 points which is really random uh but it, it was a great week for me and i'm hoping i can keep that momentum going forward i also got kenny galladay back so that was why Ooh. i lost the, the first like three weeks is because kittle and galladay were both just not playing yeah and, and beckham's great done kind of poor in fantasy till this week but yeah I almost benched him and so I'm glad <laughs> it actually wouldn't have made a difference even if I benched him I won by that much but but it definitely feels nice to have almost the highest scoring team I could have had possible this week and almost dropped 200 points <laughs> yeah so we'll, we'll see what kind of picker I am I could I'll try to convince myself to stay conservative and it would probably help to you know get closer to you but I I'm definitely gonna I won't listen to my advice and I'll say, Hey, I need to come back and need to go crazier, which won't be smart. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing though, is that there's so many weeks left. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, is you can, it won't take very long for you to catch up. Should, should you get into good picking form and I get into a bad, uh, bad spit. Uh, we have a lot of season left and you know, it's, what I said before the season started is I thought it was going to take about four weeks until we really understood what we had in these NFL teams, given COVID-19. And, and now we're almost four weeks down. We have two more games uh, tonight. We're recording on Monday. And then I think that from here on out, we really kind of understand where most teams are at. And, and things will change, of course, because that's just how the season goes. But Usually, it takes one or two weeks to, to understand what every team is like in a regular season. But I do think I've, I've had to unlearn some things already uh, with four weeks into the season about what I thought in week one and week two and week three and stuff along those lines. I think that is completely true with unlearning things. I feel like I've tried to unlearn some things and get that out of my brain. And some of them have, have stayed in there, but I, I got to get them out. But Something that we're we're learning very quickly, it didn't take much, is that it doesn't take much to win the NFC East currently. You uh, oh apparently God. don't have to win a single game in September. 
you can win in October and find yourself atop <laughs> of the division somehow. I mean, I hate to ask this, but like, because it's it's a bad, it's not a fun question to ask. But I mean, Eagles Cowboys. I mean, do you like one more than the other after this uh, week? Um, that's the interest. It's an interesting question because at at this very moment, I'm taking the Cowboys. I think that Cowboys offense is, is next level. They are very good, and they've been in every game they've played in. The Eagles looked hapless for two games. They drew with the Bengals. And then uh, I'm going to say they got lucky in that 49ers game, pretty much going against uh, a beaten roster. And uh, if you played that regular 49ers team, I don't think the Eagles win. I think Nick Mullins made some mistakes. I think that uh, obviously Jarek McKinnon is a great running back. Uh, He got me 20 points today, as I mentioned. But – He's not Raheem Mostert and having missing pieces on that wide receiving core, even though Ayuk and Debo Samuel uh, are stepping up and are playing well, Jimmy Garoppolo, even if he's not a fantastic game breaking quarterback, he's still a stellar guy. He won't throw that pick six that Nick Mullins threw uh, near the end of the game that really killed them. And, And that's something that, I mean, it doesn't matter to the Eagles. That's a win for them. And it's a loss for the 49ers, which hurts in a really competitive division that they're in. And so short-term answer, because I strayed off a little bit, Cowboys. But if Carson Wentz and that Eagles offense can figure it out a little bit, I'm taking the Eagles all day because that Eagles defense can make plays. And they were applying pressure. That defensive line does not look too bad. And really their defense hasn't been too much of the problem this season it's just been that offense being completely uh out of touch and and completely out of sync and Carson Wentz playing poor and he didn't play too great yesterday but he did enough to win the game and if Carson Wentz can slowly pick himself back up and maybe get back to form if he gets back to the form he was last year then this is a playoff team again and they're gonna they're going to beat the Cowboys unless they can figure out something defensively but I think the Eagles have less to figure out than the Cowboys do right now I agree with you. I think the Eagles definitely have less to figure out than the than the Cowboys do. But, I mean, I thought we could get some of these bad games out of the way. Or not bad yeah. games, but bad teams. So I had the, the Browns-Cowboys up first to talk about. <laughs> and then I've got Eagles 49ers and then Saints-Lions. I was like, might as well just get through. Rip the, off the Band-Aid. Just, just go for it. I, I, at first, I was like, do, we, do I even want to talk about the NFC? So I was like, well, it's, it's too hard not to because there's so much chaos going on. But Browns-Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Mel Beckham, it's floating around the internet, has as many touchdowns as the Giants this year. And there's, I think he has his, the last game this Sunday against the Cowboys is Rush yards was 73 yards, I believe. And I don't think a Giants running back has rushed that much in a game this whole season. So if we, if we want to go back to that trade, and there's a lot of trades about wide receivers and, you know, they're proving their worth this year, actually. But the thing for me is the Browns to me aren't very good. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team, maybe a little bit above average. I think they'll be fighting for that seventh, possibly sixth spot in the playoffs but I don't think they're a dominant force in the NFL and that kind of puts more worry for me for the Cowboys I mean it's the first time the Browns have started at three and one since 2001 I believe 31 
points and a half is the most the Browns have put up since like 1991. I mean, this is this hurts for Cowboys fans everywhere. Yeah, I think with the Browns, and this was the takeaway I have heard from now two different Browns fans, is that the Cleveland Browns played like the game of their lives on Sunday. Everything was clicking. Everything was working. Defensively, they were making plays. Offensively, they were making plays. And they still kept it close with the Dallas Cowboys team because defensively they, they couldn't really slow Dak Prescott and that offense down once they started getting the ball rolling. What I think is this. I think you're right. I think that this is more of an indication of the Cowboys than it is of the Browns because we're, we're, we, wish, we just watched a Browns offense that got absolutely mutilated by the Ravens in week one. We watched that same offense absolutely style on this Cowboys defense. You had Jarvis Landry throwing touchdowns. You had Odo Beckham running those reverse plays and, and tearing them up. You had the running game. It wasn't even Nick Chubb dominating the run game today because, or yesterday because he got injured. And I think that's more of an indication of the Cowboys because now we have watched them lose on defense in just about every way possible. And they don't show any signs of improving in any of those regards. They can't hang their hat on anything on defense. They can lose uh, through trick plays. They can lose through the ground. They can lose through the air. They can lose on defense in just every regard. And if I'm Dallas going into this game, you thought you're one and two, it could be zero and three should be zero and three, but think about it. You're one and two, you lost to the Seahawks and you lost to the Rams, two teams that I would consider playoff teams. Yes. So maybe, maybe you can go into the Browns and you could get a confident win. And then, and then you're still a playoff team, but then you went in at home and showed up and played like that on defense that's a lot of concerns. I said a second ago, or I guess it was more like a minute ago, that the Eagles had less to fix. And that's because that Cowboys defense, everything is wrong with it. I can't even just say one thing is wrong. Everything with that Cowboys defense is just not going the way it should be. And so I don't think that they can turn it around in that regard. You can't do that in one season. You can't do it in an off season. You could sign a player or two. And maybe a couple of players develop and grow better. And then next year you don't have a horrendous defense, but this is a team that is for the rest of the season going to be hindered or even more than hindered. They're going to be dragged to the floor by this defense and Dak Prescott and that wide receiving core and Ezekiel Elliott are going to have to throw for 400 plus yards every single game for them to even have a chance. I think throughout this season, we're going to continuously get, stats about this is the first time ever a offensive player a cute quarterback a running back they put up these type of numbers and lost the game Mm -hmm. I think it's going to continue to happen with the Cowboys especially the way that that defense is playing and it's it's not gonna look good it's it's gonna be hard a hard to watch team and you know we we talked about on first moose live that you know their upcoming five games not very difficult whatsoever I mean we thought they should come away with four of them. They've got the Browns. They lost that one. So, you know, by projections, they should win the next four. But you got Giants, Cardinals, Washington, and Eagles. And now I'm honestly not sure they'll – I mean, maybe they'll come away with two of those. But I think they could easily – I think they could drop it to the Cardinals and they could drop it to the Eagles. But also, like, those other games, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost them. Like, yeah, well, I mean, at this point, the question is, how good are those offenses going to look against Dallas? Because I don't think it, 
what we've seen thus far is it doesn't matter how bad that offense has played in the past. When they go up against Dallas, they're going to look really good. Uh, Daniel Jones is about to drop four touchdowns on this Cowboys team <laughs> next week, and it's going to be hilarious. You're right, though. We, we said in the next four or five games, they needed to win four of them, and they've already lost their one. And you have your three divisional opponents, and you have the Cardinals on top of that. You're not going to win all those games. Not a good look for the Cowboys. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to run out that offense. That offense can't do this every single week. You have off days. And on top of that, you have just pure exhaustion to think about. You can't expect Dak Prescott to throw for 500 yards week in and week out and be all right. And then, yeah, it's, it's not a good look for Dallas. And it's disappointing for Dak Prescott, who is playing a great season thus far. And maybe the numbers don't indicate how good he is because those numbers are going to get padded a lot, given mm-hmm. they're always playing from behind up to this point. But regardless, he's living up to, that, to what he's needing to do. And the other side of the ball is just not fitting the bill. Yeah, I, I definitely, I just think it shows way more on the Cowboys side than the Browns side. Yeah. I mean, the Browns, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about them because, you know, obviously they're, they're three and one and that's, that's pretty big for them. Obviously they haven't done that since 2001. Yeah. And, but I don't, I don't think I've learned too much from that. I think they got to continue to run the ball a lot. And it, when they're up, I think that really helps Mayfield. But the, the biggest thing for me is if they, they can take leads in games because I don't want to see Mayfield behind. And it seems like they're maybe finding a way to use Odell, which he's their most talented player. And if they continue to find a way to use Odell, I think they can win some games. Yeah, I think a good indication of just how good this team is will be this very next week. You just ran up the score on the worst defense in the NFL. Now you have to go from number 32 to number one in the NFL. They play the Colts next week uh, at 4 o'clock. That'll be a great indicator to see, is this Browns offense able to still find success on the ground and in the air against an Indianapolis defense that has kept other teams from doing that thus far this season. Week one is the anomaly at that point for the Colts. Since then, it's been absolutely locked down. And so I think we'll see then if this Browns team are the real deal or not. I I agree. But the next game, Eagles 49ers, we we both said we didn't really want to watch this game, and it, yeah. it showed why. No, we didn't want to watch this game. But something that I think the difference between these two teams is at this moment is that the Eagles have time to figure things out, and I don't think the 49ers have time to figure things out. And that's basically because right. the, the division they're in. And also the upcoming schedule for the 49ers, you've got the Dolphins, all right. They should be able to pull it out. Then you got Rams, Patriots, Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, Bills. Jeez. And I know it's a health issue a lot right now. But even, like, if you are healthy, you're most likely going to lose some of those games. I mean, yeah. those are top-tier teams in the NFL you're facing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think this rough start, and I think the injuries hurt them. I mean, they should have really started 4-0, I believe, if Jimmy G was in there, if there wasn't – injuries on the defensive side I believe they would have been able to do it but the fact is you didn't you you didn't have the chance to do it and now you're two and two and you don't have time to figure it out and in that division it's it's going to be a hard road for the 49ers to honestly reach the playoffs 
Yeah, they really need to win this game next week against the Dolphins. And if they couldn't beat the Eagles, then the Dolphins are going to be just as tough of a foe. We'll talk a little bit about how they played against Seattle in a minute, but they're not a shabby opponent. They're going to be a team that you're going to struggle against, especially if Jimmy Garoppolo is not back. That's going to be the big difference maker is how much, how much does Jimmy Garoppolo improve this team? Because he played week one and did not impress, if we're going to be honest. And then you, you played the two New York teams, you, you, you collected your dubs, and, and then you came over to Philly, sans Jimmy Garoppolo, and you could see that Nick Mullins was not fit enough to win the game for the team. And will, not, will Jimmy Garoppolo not making mistakes be enough to, to push this team over on the other side and get a win against Miami? And then you're talking about this brutal schedule they have ahead of them. You, you got to win some of those games. You can't lose one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games straight. That's, that's not going to work. And you can lose easily all of those games. It's going to be tough. I think that if they're going to make it to the playoffs, they've got to beat the Dolphins this, this next week, and they've got to beat the Rams the week after that at home. Because if you don't do those things, then you're going to – look, you're – two and I'd be two and four at that point in time and then you have to play some of the best teams in the NFL for five straight weeks that's that's tough and you got to go into that stretch four and two and not two and four and it's crunch time for the 49ers unfortunately it's October too so it kind of sucks that it's happening this early on but this is the hand you've been dealt everyone's been dealt some some annoying hands uh this every year in the NFL you get dealt some bad hands sometimes and it's it's up to you to make it work when it counts and if you don't then someone else did better of a job than you and deserve to be in the playoffs I agree with you completely they need to be going four and two into that difficult stretch and I mean two and four would be really bad and it would not look yeah. good I mean three and three they might still be able to pull it out but it's just it's just the division they're in where I'm not yeah feeling- faithful about it about much confidence in them whatsoever yeah I'd feel so confident about this team if they were in the east which is <laughs> unfortunate but but there are people every year who call for the end to division champions but honestly <laughs> I think it's kind of funny and quirky and it, it also instills a little bit of pride within your division mm-hmm. like there's a little bit there's a bit of a a separate a separate trophy the separate uh pleasure to winning your division because then you get to laugh at those teams that you play a lot and you don't like and you get the you get the the pleasure of aha i'm the i'm the king of this hill and i'm gonna go to the playoffs and laugh while you all have to watch me at home on your couches i wouldn't want to take that away i I feel like divisions would be pointless at that point if there wasn't any sort of reward in it yeah divisions would be pointless but something before we move on to to the Saints Lions game, are you? Is the Carson Wentz Dak Prescott debate is that done? Are we have we decided? Has it been done for a while? I mean, it seems like people have been holding out hope on Carson Wentz that he's better, but it's kind of leaning towards me that this conversation could be coming towards an end and thinking that Dak Prescott is the better quarterback. As much as I do not like saying that. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, it's, what's strange to me is going into the season, I thought this was a silly debate. But the other way around, I thought that Carson Wentz was easily the better quarterback than Dak Prescott. 
I, I mean, numbers, you could throw out numbers all day and you could see that Dak Prescott has the same or better numbers than Carson Wentz, but numbers don't tell the whole story. And from watching Carson Wentz play, I like what I see in him more than Dak Prescott. But this season, it's been the polar opposite. Dak Prescott has been throwing out of his mind and has been playing fantastic football. And Carson Wentz has, has been absolutely flat and terrible. So in the grand scheme of things, by the end of the year, if this is how it still looks, then you've got to think Dak Prescott's the better quarterback. But if it gets a little more shaky, then that narrative is just going to have to continue on to next season. And it might still be that way anyway once once this season is over. I'll be curious, if we're going to be honest here, how many things – we've already talked about learning and unlearning things. I wonder how much we're going to have to unlearn in 2021 when football is back to, hopefully, its normal normal slate of of being. And if a lot of breakout things and a lot of quote-unquote busts from the last season, we have to unlearn those narratives because just COVID football brought out different things and different people. And maybe Carson Wentz is just not good at it and Dak Prescott's been great at it. I don't know. I think the jury is still out on that one because I think Carson Wentz has been better than Dak Prescott every other season than this one. And so I don't think you can just lay the gavel down and say that it's over and Dak Prescott's unequivocally the best quarterback between the two of them. I think that's a, a good point to, to talk about here, Mark, is talking about that this COVID season could, could be different. There could be outliers and a bust or a boom player could look completely different in the next two, three mm-hmm. years. And I think there's a place you can look is the NBA in the, in the bubble is there's certain players that there's reports that have come out that have said, hey, I, I struggled being in that bubble for so long. I know it's different in the NFL. It doesn't look the same mm-hmm. by any means, but it's going to affect players with, you know, having to be socially distanced. You know, some players might do well with being able to go out every single day and, like, be active and see people. Now they can't do that. Someone, yeah. So, it's, it's you know, it's going to affect the their play on the field, and people don't think about that. And, yeah, I think uh, an interesting thing. I can't wait for five to 10 years down the road when a player is like pushing some sort of like milestone or pushing for like a first or breaking a record or something. And that record is set in 2020. And then they have to put an asterisk by it and be like COVID-19 season. So it was like Dak Prescott could very well break the passing yards record this year with the Mm -hmm. way he's throwing the ball. And then in 10 years from now, Arch Manning is going to be breaking a record in the NFL and he is, and then they're going to have it week 16 and he's trying to break the 6,000 yard record that was set in 2020. But then on the, by the asterisk, they'll go Dak Prescott COVID-19 season. I think that'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, records and what kind of things are set from this season that will just have to be taken into account when we're talking about milestones in the future. I, th- I think it will be interesting because there will be things where I think even two or three years will be able to be like, hey, maybe that was just a weird season. Yeah. For that team. <laughs> but the next game I have up, Saints-Lions. I picked the Lions because I just, I just felt good. I felt good about mm-hmm. Matt Stafford being able to pull out a weird Lions game. And, you know, they're up 14-0 very quickly. And that's mm-hmm. when I was like, I'm not comfortable. This happened too quick. It's uh, Oh, my gosh. No, I, I'm, I'm, kid- I'm not going to kid with you here. I checked my phone because I was going to go get food and I saw the lions were up 14 to zero and I thought nothing of it. I was like, <laughs> Oh, they're up 14, nothing. Okay. Whatever. Like I, I made that mistake 
it was last week when they were against the Packers. And I, and I was thinking, oh, shoot, like they're up against the Packers. Like I might have gotten this game terribly wrong. And then it just kind of turned around and you know, we, we know what happened after that. And my thought was, but when I saw it this time, I literally had no second thought about it. I had no doubt in my mind that it did not matter. If the score kept going up, maybe I would have gotten worried. But I mean, how, how upsetting is that as a Lions fan that you, that I, I mean, I'm, I'm neutral, but as a Lions fan, you have to watch that over and over again. That's terrible. Yeah. One of my uh, longest friends is a Lions fan and I, I was uh, texting him about it and he was like, yeah, no Lions fan believed in that lead that no one believed <laughs> in it for a second. And I was like, okay, he's, he's probably right. There's no Lions uh... fan out there that was like, Hey, we're up. Let's cheer. They're probably like, Let's freak out. We we should not be up at this oh, no. time in the game. Oh no! <laughs> so, but I, I think the biggest thing coming out from this game is uh, the Patricia quote. The uh, when I came, yeah. there was a lot of work to do, and he is getting tons of flack for it. Deserving oh my himself. gosh! I mean, Jim Caldwell. I have his records: eleven five, seven mm-hmm. and nine, nine and seven, then nine and seven again. Yeah. Got Patricia at six and ten, three twelve and one, and then one and three this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when they hired Patricia, he was supposed to make that next step. He was supposed right. to, you know, build upon what they had. It wasn't this is a bottom-of-the-league organization right there. It's like, hey, let's make the next step. I mean, Codwell was, came in second in the NFC North two out of the four years. I mean, that's not bad. He made the playoffs twice. That's pretty mm-hmm. good for the Lions. And Patricia was hired to upgrade that and continue the momentum. And now it looks like they should have just kept Codwell. Yeah, really. I mean, I, I thought my interest, the most interesting way to put that stat was when someone said, uh, Matt Patricia came to a 9-7 and seven team and said, we have work to do, and has proceeded to be under 500 every year since then. <laughs> so I, I think that is a great and apt way to put it. I mean, that's a terrible answer to a question that is worth asking, which is, are you the guy for the job? And at this point, the answer is no, an emphatic no from what we've seen. And we said that this was, this was the determinant year for the Lions. I think we both agreed that before the season started. And I don't think the eight ball is really hiding from us what, what the answer to that question is. And it hasn't changed. I I mean, I I watched the the question him answer it. I just don't think he thought about it. I think he kind of <laughs> just said it and probably didn't think that people were going to you know dissect that sentence. He's like, you know, we came here a lot of work to do, and he's probably thinking, like a nine and seven team, there there's still work to do. That's not yeah, a great absolutely. record, and that's what he probably means. But it it just plays so poorly, and man. Do I feel bad for Lions fans? But mm-hmm. what, what are you going to do? I mean, Patricia's probably going to be gone after this year, and we're they're going to be looking for a new coach. And mm-hmm. it is one of these spot. And on on first and moose live, I ask you the question: You know, if the if the Saints lose, like, is it time to set off the alarms? And they they end up winning it, obviously. And I think they looked okay, but mm-hmm. nothing spectacular. It's kind of I feel like it's the Saints way though. Yeah, it's the Saints way. They always seem to start slow a lot of seasons. So I'm not I'm not too worried. I'm gonna give them time, but there is the back of my mind, I'm like, man, was I did I did I believe in them again? And are they already yeah. gonna let me down? So Yeah, I think that the Saints in a lot of regular season games, they'll win 
and it, it'll seem so unremarkable. But that's just how do they do it. And, and as the season goes on, they do pick up some steam, and then they look good going into the postseason, and then they fall flat on their face. Maybe they're maybe they're waiting a little longer to pick up that steam, so then what, come playoff time, they could still have it when they go up against another playoff team. I don't know. That's just uh, humorous speculation. I think this team is all right. I think they looked fine enough that they're going to win most of their games this season. Drew Brees, maybe his arm is a little bit weaker, but he's good enough quarterback that it's not going to matter, and they'll still win football games. Tom Brady won a whole Super Bowl uh, without his full range of capability, and uh, I think that Drew Brees is very capable of doing the same thing. I, I agree with you. I don't think – you can't freak out yet. If they went, if they dropped to one of three, I think you'd be asking a lot more questions. But before we have to go to break real quick, Burrow got his first win against the, yeah. the Jaguars. And I think he's continued to look really good. And I, I thought he looked well. And, you know, the, the two rookie quarterbacks, Herbert and Burrow, look really good right now. Yeah, I agree. And I think – Burrow looked really sharp, and he's looked pretty good each game f- from this season and just in its entirety. And I think he takes a step further when he's able to have another element to his offense, and that's Joe Mixon. We've been waiting for it to happen this season, and it finally he finally popped out and and made a name for himself. And that is going to take a load off of Joe Burrow's shoulders because being able to have an effective run game that draws some attention to the box gives your receivers a little more space in the secondary that's going to help him out and I think that Joe Burrow is going to win more games this season if the recipe from Sunday uh, works again if Joe Mixon is is eating then Joe Burrow is going to capitalize off of that and win you football games he's he's got all the capabilities of an NFL quarterback I think four weeks in uh, of the things we've had to learn and unlearn Joe Burrow is not one of them he is an NFL quarterback and I think that Cincinnati Bengals fans could be excited about him I agree Cincinnati Bengals fans need to be excited about him it's just whether the organization can catch up to his level and provide talented players around him and provide a good defense but we're gonna have to break real quick we'll be back with more coverage of this past weekend and we've got plenty to talk about Have you ever wondered why everyone and their mother seems like they have a podcast today? Well, it's probably because there's over a million podcasts a day alone, and it continues to grow every single day. And you've probably wondered, how do I start a podcast? And you've probably thought, it's too expensive, I don't have the equipment, it'll be too difficult, I just can't do it. Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. There's a platform called Anchor, and it's the simplest way to make a podcast and I did some light background research for you. First off, it's free. There's creations tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started that's a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m to get started and we are back connor taylor still mark schoenster still colts bears mark 
Colts defense seems like it's a late. It seems like it's, you know, it's, it's time to buy into this defense. For a while, I was, you know, we talked about on a previous podcast about what defenses out there do we believe? We said there's really, really not many, but it seems like out of the few we have, we might be able to add the Colts defense to that list. Yeah, I think so. And the main reason why is some people oppose the argument that the Colts defense hasn't played anyone good, but Jacksonville did our, did, they did their part against the Colts, and that's really the worst uh, performance they've had this season. Since then, they shut down the Bears, whom, albeit not a great offense, shut down the Jets, very not good offense. But then people keep using the Viking as, Vikings as a team that is not good to sh- that's not another good offensive team, but they've dropped 30 points every other week that mm-hmm. they've played. And Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen have been racking up yardage, and we held them to under 200. So I think that that's a, that's a moot argument. And on top of that, even if you want to say the Minnesota Vikings are only middle-tier offense, three weeks in a row, holding teams to what the Colts did is impressive, especially when defense is a hard thing to come by right now. We're, yeah. we're having records broken for how many points are being scored each week, and the Colts are absolutely not a part of any of it. They're allowing 14 points a game. Four weeks into the season, you, how can you argue with that? 14 points a game as well as 236 yards a game. That's insane with how things are going right now. And I don't mean to gush about my team, <laughs> but I think that's pretty impressive. And I think, I think this earns them, especially after watching them yesterday, that this earns them a spot in, in that category of the best defenses in the NFL. I'm not going to crown them the best one. They're performing like the best one at this moment, though. But, I mean, I'll continue on then with the actual game report now that we're actually just talking about it. Um, so I guess since we were talking about the Colts defense, they looked great. The, the pass rush was awesome. DeForest Buckner has proven to be a phenomenal acquisition Huge. by the Colts. He is doing so much. He is a big man who's also so surprisingly elusive. He can just dodge def- offensive linemen and, and get himself to the quarterback, which is so bizarre to me uh, as – a guy who lines up in the middle of the defensive line. Usually, I mean, if you look on the other side of the ball in that game, Akeem Hicks, that is not a shifty dude. And Akeem Hicks is a phenomenal defensive tackle. But DeForest Buckner just slips, and it's so crazy to watch. And then the Colts secondary today, or yesterday, excuse me, on Sunday, they, are, they impressed me as well. Because in that Jaguars game, I was concerned with how much pad room they were giving the Jacksonville wide receivers, but since then they've been great. And yesterday was their best performance of the season thus far. They broke up so many passes. Rock Yassin came back and had a good game. Xavier Rhodes has proven to have a comeback season after being burnt toast last year, as many people do. It shocked me that he's came back. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for the Colts. Exactly. We've been able to bring it back out of them. And then on top of that, Malik Hooker tore his Achilles, uh, a, a talented safety that we have. And, that is, and that's a hard loss. But rookie Julian Blackman has come in and has played fantastic in these games. And he had several in the game yesterday where the receiver would be running an inside slant route or it would be a, a deeper slant route than that, but it would be going across the middle. He'd make the catch, but then would run into Julian Blackman and the ball would come out. That happened four to five to six times where the receiver pretty much had made the catch, but then the ball just got 
shouldered out of him by a heavy hit from Julian Blackman, who was there at the right time to knock, to break up the pass and, and to make it an incompletion. And I think that's incredibly impressive for him. I think he's a better fit for the Colts defense than Malik Hooker, even though Hooker is incredibly talented. On the Colts offensive side, Phillip Rivers had a rough day. Uh, he missed a couple passes. He never had too many big plays. But for the Colts to be able to win a game like this this comfortably, the score says 19-11, to 11, but the Bears scored a touchdown with two minutes to go when the game was already over. So this, was, this game was in the Colts' favor the entire time. And the fact that the Colts can play conservative on offense, don't have to take any risks, no turnovers, which is huge, especially for Phillip Rivers, and win the game like that is huge for them because they can now – I believe this Colts team can score a lot of points if they need to. But if games come to this where it's just a tough, grinded-out game, they can win that way as well. And that's a big thing, especially given this season where, again, there have been so many shootouts. The fact that this team can play like this in October, early October, mind you, and, and win, that's great. Now on the Bears' side, I know a lot of people going into the game, they're 3-0, and but no one believes them. No one thinks they're a real team. This Bears team is going to win a lot of football games this season. Maybe they won't make the playoffs, but I see at least eight wins coming out of them. Their defense is very, very good still. They're, they, much like the Colts, their secondary broke up a lot of passes. Their defensive line bullied a great and talented Colts offensive line all day. Akeem Hicks, again, like I mentioned, he was out last season, and I think that hindered their, their defense a lot and hindered Khalil Mack. And he was a wrecking ball uh, in this game. The dude just manhandles people, and it results in Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, and other uh, Danny Trevathan, and then your, your defensive lineman to, to get to the quarterback. And that's something that Bears fans could be happy about. And then I guess the last thing worth talking about is that Bears offense with Nick Foles. I'd give him another week. There, he didn't look particularly bad. He didn't look particularly amazing. But I'm sure Mitchell Trubisky would have looked worse. And so you're going up against, as of right now, the number one defense in the NFL. I think you give him another shot. And if we're going to be honest, this Bears team is going to be in a lot of slugfest games like this with how good their defense is playing. And Nick Foles just needs to play a little bit better for them to win these games. And I think he could do that against any team that has a, a less decent defense. So. I think both of these teams are pretty good. I think this is the biggest win for the Colts this season. I think they're the best team they've played this season. And I think that the Bears are going to probably reach 500 at least this season. I agree with both those statements. And I think that the Colts are – I'm feeling more comfortable that they can win their division this yeah. year. And – you know, uh, a stat I saw uh, when I was scrolling through Twitter this morning was uh, Blankenship has outscored the opponent on his own the last three games, which says a lot about the defense, but also yeah. you guys have a <laughs> have a really good field goal kicker at the moment. So, yeah, love love the rookie kicker, the Rex Bex getting, <laughs> getting himself acclimated. The Colts have always been good at acquiring good punters and kickers. It's been a thing since the 2000, like 2000. So, I mean... It's just, uh, I guess, so a weird thing. The Colts just have a consistency of being good at. Bills Raiders. Now, Josh Allen, been a huge conversation throughout this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the Bills definitely, I'm starting to believe that they're a legit playoff contender. And 
like I just mentioned, Josh Allen's, you know, even squeaking into that MVP conversation. But he's still the reason I'm not confident in this team to make it far in the playoffs. He's still the one thing that worries me. And, yes, he made a leap that a lot of people didn't expect. I didn't expect. But there's just moments where he really, really scares me, and he still makes some rookie mistakes. Uh, There's one point he let himself get sacked where he just kept them in field goal position. He got sacked out of field goal position. And I think, you know, hopefully he's able to learn that throughout the season. But he'll he'll give up points that they could possibly make and get on the board because he's going for too big of a play. So I think if he learns not to always go for the big play, which is, you know, it works out a lot for him, especially, you know, Diggs is able to save them a lot, which I guess is, you know, we're learning that it's something he needed. He needed a really good number one wide receiver to save him out of uh, tight positions. But he, he's still the reason I'm, I'm holding back on the Bills. Am I wrong to hold them back on Josh Allen, or should he be the reason I'm diving in and uh, hyping them up? Well, I guess, I guess it depends on what you think of his performance against the Rams. Do you think the Rams are uh, – how good do you think the Rams are? Because if you think the Rams are really good, then I think, you should, I think you should be biting into the hype considering Josh Allen. Now, the Rams didn't look too great uh, this past weekend. They got the job done, and we can talk about that a little bit. But – I guess if you want to get another taste of Josh Allen before you, you really bite, then he's got some tough games coming up ahead. Uh, the Titans and the Chiefs are their next two. I think those are two great indicators on if they're good or not. And then you got the Patriots and Seahawks a couple weeks later. I think if Josh Allen is able to win one of those big games, then you gotta, you gotta be a believer because he helped win that Rams game. And for me, I, I believe in Josh Allen. I think he will lose a game or two for this team, but I also think he has the capability to win games like he did against the Rams because I, I am a believer that the Rams are a good football team, and that's a good game to have on your resume uh, to be responsible for winning. You let a drive at the end of the game. You had poise. You, you made some great decisions, even after you made a mistake on the, the beginning of the drive. Um, but I think it's still fair to be a little bit uncomfortable, though. I think he just – he takes me – I mentioned on First and Miss Live that he's a little bit of a roller coaster ride, and he's got these mm-hmm. highs, but then then a lot of lows. And, you know, if he's just a tiny bit more consistent, I think I'm going to buy into them, you know, being AFC championship caliber team right now. But I don't think I'm – I'm not quite there because I just think there's moments where he's, he's going to scare me too much. But on the Raiders side, I was thinking about it. Carr might be the least fun quarterback to watch in the AFC West. (laughs) I mean, Mahomes, obviously, number one. Locke's not playing right now. And then Herbert. And I think maybe not this season, but next season, I'm I'm kind of just been thinking about being like, I think Carr might end up being the – I guess it's probably because we know who he is. We know what he can Mm -hmm. do. We don't really know it. I don't even – necessarily like we don't we have no clue if Herbert or Locke will even be better than Derek Carr Mm -hmm. but there's they excite me more Carr Carr bores me and I was just thinking about that watching the game I was like man he's he's in a really good quarterback division and that that scares me for for the Raiders future a little bit yeah he he's kind of a cheddar cheese in a group of a division with you know like mozzarella and pepper jack (laughs) and I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think of Gorgonzola. I don't know. I, whatever your prep, whatever your preference is, he, he he's kind of bland. I, I would say, 
and I, I'm going to offend all those sharp cheddar lovers out there by saying that, but I think that Derek Carr is just kind of, he's not bad and he's not offensive in any way. He's just a decent quarterback who does what he needs to do and he can gun it down the field every now and then. I reckon Henry Ruggs coming back will make him a little mm-hmm. more exciting to watch, but he's going to get the job done for you. It's just a matter of, will he get the job done in big games, which he did well against the saints. And then he had moments in this game against the bills where I felt Buffalo was giving Vegas chances to get back into the game and to capitalize. And the Raiders struggled to, to do anything with those opportunities in the fourth quarter. That's a little concerning for Derek Carr, but he can always turn it around and continue to fix that. But I do, I do understand your sentiment though, of just him being kind of a, just kind of an eh quarterback, nothing, nothing. He's not entertaining to watch because he's bad and he's not entertaining to watch because he's good, you know? Yeah, he's he's right in the middle. He's he's no. I would, I would rather watch Seamus Winston. I'll put oh. Seamus Winston <laughs> is a really fun watch for me. I a lot of people give me crap for how much I love to watch Seamus Winston. But how could you not? That's such a. You, you want to talk about roller coaster rides with Josh Allen, Seamus <laughs> Winston? That is. I don't know if you could call that a roller coaster ride. That's just like jumping off a cliff and then you know, as you're falling, a giant eagle catches you and you fly higher and then the eagle gets struck by lightning and then you're just falling to the ocean. Like, I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, I guess it's Winston like it's like going just, skydiving and like the, the skydiver person be like, one of these don't have a parachute and you're like, okay. Oh no. <laughs> it's like you're, you're jumping off. You have no idea what you're going to get basically at the end of the day with Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you're, I'm a little bit more confident in Josh Allen's consistency at this moment. <laughs> I would but, hope. Josh Norman kind of – he made a play, his first big play, and I don't know, felt like five years, and you know, mm-hmm. he immediately starts talking again. But I think if oh, he's yeah. able to to jump in there and, and play really well, he's going to take this defense to somehow another level, possibly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're already really good. They're already very talented. Uh, I mean, the more weapons, the better, I would say. I, I agree completely. But the 0-3 matchup, the Texans and Vikings, this was kind of a win-or-go-home game for the playoffs in a way because from 2002 through last season, 56 teams have started 0-4 and and zero reached the playoffs. Of that group, only the 2017 Chargers and 2004 Bills finished with winning records. Both were 9-7. So there's a chance the Texans finished with a winning record, but – the past basically 20 years have shown that it's, it it's, it's not going to happen and you're probably not going to make the playoffs. But some takeaways from this game is Justin Jefferson is still showing me some hope, some life. He's done it these past two games. I think that's, that's really exciting for a team that they, they really – all first-round picks have pressure on him, on mm-hmm. themselves. But I think he had – a good amount of pressure on, especially since he's having to fill that role of Stefan Diggs. It took him a little bit, but if he's able to continue this route he's taking right now, I think it's, it's a turning point for this Vikings offense to be able to actually do things. And, uh, you know, I'm not, they're one in three, but I'm not out on the Vikings yet. I think not quite yet. Yeah, not quite yet. It's close, but I, I still have hope. I still believe they can turn it around with Zimmer uh, leading this team. And I think a big thing is it's honestly going to rely heavily on Justin Jefferson because, you know, we talked about it early on through this year is that 
it really hurt them without Stefan Diggs and completely relying on on Thielen, and then that hurts Dalvin Cook. But right now, I mean, that duo is looking really good. Not as good as the Diggs uh, Thielen duo, but I mean, right. if Jefferson never becomes Diggs, that's all right. He wasn't working out. You got a hopefully a pretty good wide receiver, and right now, I'm starting to believe in him and get more confidence. But the the Texans, there's just no run game. And it looks worse and worse. They they rank last in rush yards, currently with 294 yards in the NFL. And it's got it it hurts because you trade it for David Johnson. I mean, you have plenty of executives out there saying you you don't trade a number one wide receiver right now with how the league's going with points, with passing, and then you go out there and get a you know, I, I washed up running back. And for a while, I, I really wanted to believe in him. I want to believe in David Johnson that he can rebound, that they're going to give him tons of attempts. But they're not even giving him – I don't believe he's had more than 20 attempts in a game. And I know that's mainly because they're getting behind and not being able to use him a lot. But that's huge. I mean, you you banked your job on it, Bill O'Brien, that David Johnson basically would, you know, have a chance of turning things around. And right now he, he's not turning things around. And the biggest thing is Harrison Smith got ejected from the game and they still, you know, they're able to bounce back a little bit, but their, their top player in the secondary for the Vikings is, was out and they still weren't able to produce a very good offense. And it's still questions who's going to be able to step up. I Fueler did all right, but I think I'm ready to say I'm out on the Texans and I feel mm-hmm. awful for Deshaun. And I thought they would make yeah. the playoffs this year, but it's time to move on from them. And I think not going to be paying that much attention to their games anymore. Yeah, they. I, I think at this point you can't use the tough schedule excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. They have looked bad four games, and if you're a playoff team, you look good in some of those, and they haven't looked good in any of them. Even if they've made some of them look close, like this Vikings game, I don't really know if there's any much more to say about them. No, I, I don't think there's much. I believe Watt was quoted was saying, you know, he, he's controlling what he could control, which is basically saying, hey, like our, our team's bad and trying to do <laughs> what I can do. But I can only oh. do so much. So, I, I, I mean, Bill O'Brien, he's headed towards a, a bad area. He's going to lose, what, like three jobs now he has? He's yeah. DM coach. <laughs> Offensive coordinator, play caller. Oh, I mean, goodness. There, there's jokes that, you know, as they keep on losing games, he'll just give himself more jobs. He'll end up doing everything, which is pretty funny. But on the Vikings, I think they don't have much more hope left, but I think you got to hang on to them at the moment. Their offense is turning around enough. Still, that defense scares me a lot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they have some tough matchups ahead, and and I think that if they're going to make a playoff push, they're going to have to make some upsets. Yeah, it's going to be hard. But Seahawks-Dolphins, Mark, we thought it was going to be weird. We said it would be weird, but it turned out being a little bit weirder than I thought. It was lower scoring than I thought. And, I mean, it was just a weird game. I mean, I feel like people should have expected it to happen. But what, what did you take away much from this? Dolphins Seahawks matchup well I think the Dolphins are better than we think they are they could have made this game a lot more competitive if they just could have finished in the red zone I mean we're talking how many field goals they got in this game if I'm just going to scroll down real quick five 
five field goals in this game, and a lot of them were in the red zone. If the Dolphins could have just finished off some drives, they may have won this football game. I think that their defense is better than what we thought after watching the first few weeks of the season because we looked at their talent before the season started and thought they were going to be good. Then they got bullied around a little bit, but maybe they're really starting to pick up what they've got now. Obviously, it's been tough for defenses this season. And I think that might be the biggest thing to take away from this game because the Dolphins' offense is going to find success against that terrible Seahawks defense up to this point. And the Seahawks defense bent but didn't break today, and that was the difference maker. And on the other side of the ball, you hold Russell Wilson to 31 points, which, yeah, that's a lot of points. But Mm -hmm. it was a lot closer than that, and it was a lot less points for the majority of the game. You just kind of busted in the fourth quarter and let him get loose. But up to that point, they had done a very good job of holding him up. And you you might see coaches using film from this game when strategizing against Russell Wilson in the future. And I think Brian Flores and his style of coaching is going to lead to the Dolphins playing in a lot of weird games. I, I agree with you. I think that the Dolphins, like you're saying, aren't as bad as we think they are. And I think, you know, if Tua turns out to be the prospect people expect him to be, some people expect him to be a top-tier quarterback, they're, you know, they'll, they'll win these close games. They'll end up, he'll be able to pull them through these close games. So I think it's smart that they're not playing them yet, but I think that maybe by the end of the year, end of the year they're playing them and they're in these close games, and Tua is possibly able to pull them through these. So I think there's some comfort for Dolphins fans that haven't had comfort in – I don't know how long it feels like forever, <laughs> but I don't think there's too much else to say about that game. I mean, Russell Wilson's continuing his MVP caliber season. A game though, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit is the Cardinals Panthers game. Yeah. And I mean, the Cardinals came out very strong this season and, you know, they're, they're regressing a little bit and, I guess two and two is more where I probably would see them about a, a maybe a little bit above a 500 team, but then I, I got excited about them. And I think they're still going to be an exciting team. And we've talked about relying on Kyler Murray and that that's going to be a big thing this season, uh, depending on his output. But are you, are you ready to, to change your mind on the, the Cardinals right now? I know, Basically, going into the season, you you said that they won't be – they'll have an okay record, basically, mm-hmm. and that they'll be really fun to watch, which I guess at 2-2, two and two, they've been fun to watch, and that's mm-hmm. an average record. Mm-hmm. But – I think they've fallen back down to about what I would have thought they'd be at this time of the year. They definitely regressed these past two games, and I think the Cardinals are one of the biggest examples of learning and unlearning in, mm-hmm. in, in the first four weeks of the season. But it would be kind of the theme of today's episode. They ran so many screens yesterday, and eventually the Cardinals figured that – not the Cardinals, the Panthers figured that out and were able to tear it up. Kylo Murray had 24 completions and only had 133 passing yards. I don't know how you pull that one off, but, mm-hmm. but that bunch of screens, that's really mm-hmm. the only answer of them not working. So – I think that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray need to to go back to the drawing board a little bit as far as schemes are concerned because Matt Rule, another Big 12 former coach, was able to sniff it out and figure it out and, and do the damage. 
and I think the Cardinals, uh, I think it's going to be kind of like this all season. They're going to have runs. They're going to have runs where they're good, and they're going to have runs where they're bad because teams are going to figure out a way to stop them. And the only X factor here is Kyle Murray's ability to improvise, and that's what's going to really win them games. Yeah, it's going to be big for Kyle Murray's improvisation, like like you're saying. But on the Panther side, I mean, I'm starting to 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 feel good about this Panthers defense. Not now, but I think Matt Rule is going to turn around this defense, and I think they could be an elite defense in two to three years. I think they could be going towards good and very good quicker than people probably expect. But I think two three years, a, a top ten defense, maybe even top five, would would not surprise me. Yeah, well, I think we're we're seeing that the Matt Rule method works in NFL football as well as college football. And if if that's the case, then yeah, they're going to have a good defense in a couple of years. He just is is meticulous about making sure it's done right and that it's it's done well. And so I think you're right in saying that this team could be very good on defense in a couple of years and I think their defense is already improving as the season's going on. And my big takeaway from the Panthers is that Teddy Bridgewater is a cool cucumber and and people continue to overlook how good of a quarterback he is and he's been able to win two games for a Panthers team that I thought was only going to win like two or three games in the whole season. So good on him. I I I'm I'm happy for him. Yeah, there's there's a quote from the Athletic from a uh a veteran coach saying Bridgewater knows how to play the game and they have some weapons there. They added Robbie Anderson, which had eight catches, nine, nine yards against Arizona. They still have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Obviously they'll have Christian McCaffrey back eventually. And he was saying that people doubt Bridgewater because there's nothing flashy, but he wins. Mm -hmm. He wins a lot. I gave crap to the Panthers a little bit. I was like, why would you do this? Like, I don't think you're, you're just putting yourself in this weird position in the NFL, but He's going to win them games, and I believe that Matt Rule is going to obviously do a more defensive-minded scheme, and he's going to care more about that side of the football. I think Bridgewater will be fine for the coming years in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Last thing I have up before, really quick, to just touch on is the Chargers-Bucks. And yeah. the thing on the, the Bucks thing was that Bruce Arians was saying that last year, I mean, the team would have been down on themselves, and they no chance that they would have came back and then Herbert continues to look really good yeah I think the big takeaway from this game is first off Tom Brady can can shoot it out in games and he did it Mm -hmm. against an impressive Chargers defense so that's a good sign for the Bucks and then Justin Herbert even though that lead was blown and then he ended the game with a very bad interception I think he's the real deal for the Chargers at least he looks like it right now and it's gonna get harder and harder to justify talking about Tyrod Taylor as QB1 in Los Angeles when Justin Herbert is playing this well. And this is a season where you, I don't think you have playoff aspirations, so you might as well let the rookie quarterback grow and develop so then next year you can be thinking about the playoffs. I just feel – I mean, I, I feel like everyone feels bad for Taylor. Tyrod yeah, Taylor it's, not, it's such an unfortunate situation. but It's, it's hard to take away that starting chargers. position. Yeah. But, I mean – Herbert's played very well, and hopefully he'll be able to grow this season. Yeah. And then, I mean, Tom Brady, I think, is kind of changing that culture and, and the, and the Bucs organization. I think him just being there just kind of, you know, gives the team something to rally around instead of, you know, a year ago having Jameis. I don't think the team would rally around him. Mm-hmm. That's going to wrap it up for week four reactions from the NFL. This has been First and Moose. Whether you're listening on the air, Tuesdays, 10 a.m. till 11 a.m. Thank you on U92 The Moose, 91.7 FM, or any podcast platform. I'm Connor Taylor with me, 
is Mark Schoenster. Thanks for listening.